Microphone check one two one two. What is this? Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Um, Chicago, Monday Night Football. Chicago handled their business against the Washington Redskins, twenty-eight to fifteen. Chicago's defense just manhandles Washington's offense. Case Keenum didn't have a great showing uh, last night's game. Uh, Chicago defense. The best defense in the league. The way how they move, even when you beat them and they you get a play, they react to the ball really quickly. They make great plays on the ball. Trubisky played well. Not the biggest fan of Trubisky, as you guys all know, but um, but Trubisky played well. Uh, Tyler Gabriel played well. He played phenomenal as well, breaking all types of Monday Night Football records. Uh, so Chicago, good showing from Chicago. That's what they were supposed to do. I'm not too surprised about that. I'm not too surprised about that. Another week where I picked well. I went 13 and three with my picks. I am on fire. Uh, I'm I, I'm on fire. My overall picks for this year is 37, 10 and one. I'm doing a phenomenal job of picking these games. Uh, so if like I told you guys. <laughs> You better catch me while I'm hot. I am picking these games rapidly. Uh, I'm I'm mad at myself because I, I some of the picks some of the picks that I got wrong this week, I I should have went the other way, but I didn't. But I'm fine with that. It's all good. But let's talk about and discuss Daniel Jones and Eli Manning and the Giants getting their first win. They're getting their first regular season win. And this is what I was basically basically explaining the episode from last week. This is the perfect move for the Giants. Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones. It's not like he has a bad offense around him. The Giants have spent a lot of money on their O-line. They have Saquon Barkley behind them. They had now he's out for four to eight weeks, but they ha- they they have a talented back behind him. Sterling Shepard is not bad. Evan Ingram is a he's a rising star at the tight end position. The Giants have some pieces to nitpick and play around with offensively. Defensively, they have to figure out some gaps. They have to figure out some holes because they still have some gasping holes defensively. But offensively, to surround and put around Daniel Jones, the Giants, they've been doing that for years. The Giants, what I saw from Daniel Jones, and let me, let me, let me, let me put this in perspective. I was not very high on Daniel Jones due to his college background. I mean, he's a, he's a college quarterback coming out of Duke. What quarterback comes out of Duke? The only collegiate athletes I know that are good that's coming out of Duke are their basketball players. <laughs> so, me having my my questions about Daniel Jones, I was rightfully so. I was rightfully so. Didn't play well in college and in, in conference play. He didn't have a good showing at Duke. But put him around some NFL talent, he goes, you know, and then he lights it up in preseason. But I wasn't so cuz it was the second third stringers. Second and third stringers, some of those guys that he plays against that were defending him, not even in the league. They got cut. 
So now I get to see him against a real coach, Todd Bowles, real defensive-minded. I get to see him against a Tampa Bay defense that is good. And he looked phenomenal. He looked phenomenal. Threw for 364 yards, total yards, four total touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. The Giants transitioned into a 1995 quarterback to a 2019 quarterback, a 2019 quarterback. Eli Manning was a 1995 quarterback. Daniel Jones is a 2019 quarterback. He's a 2019 quarterback. Mobile. And I felt like Daniel Jones, I felt like Daniel Jones, looking at that game, flicking back and forth to that game, I felt like Daniel Jones brought a sense of hope. He brought a sense of hope and a sense of, hey, guys, we're still in this. Despite down 28-10, to 10, despite down early, being down on the road, first career start, being down 12-3, to 3, and then 28-10, to 10, the Giants faced an 18-point deficit. How many Giants games have we seen the last three to four years where the Giants, with Eli Manning at the helm, how many Giants games have we seen them being down double digits, or them losing early, them trailing early, and they could never pick themselves back up. How many games? How many games have we saw like that? We saw. We have seen a lot of games just like that, just like that with the Giants. With the, Gi- the Giants game on Sunday, we've seen a, a numerous of games just like that. But with Daniel Jones, he brought a sense of hope. He had a sense of confidence. That I like. And yes, one game, and yes, Tampa Bay. But I feel like the Giants have their guy for the next seven to ten years. I feel like the Giants have their guy. They have their guy. And it's been time to move on to Eli Manning. I told you guys this last week. I explained this on last on the, on last week's episode. Before week three. Or before the Sundays before Sunday's games. I said the Giants are in no way, in shape, or form disrespecting Eli Manning. He hasn't played good football in years. They traded away Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham was the band-aid that was covering Eli Manning's mis- miscues. But Eli Manning has been playing good football in about three, four years. It was about time. That the Giants made a transition. And they did it so nice. They did it so nicely. They had a guy that looked like Eli Manning. Plays like Eli Manning a little bit. He's just a lot mobile. Looks like Eli Manning. Talks like Eli Manning. Throws it like Eli Manning. And Eli Manning is still getting paid. Eli is still getting paid. In no shape or form are they disrespecting Eli Manning. He's still getting paid. He is still getting paid. But Daniel Jones, he brought a sense of hope that the Giants haven't felt. And I'm not even a Giants fan. But he brought a sense of hope and confidence. Even with them being down 28-10. to 10. Despite them trailing early, 
in the first quarter, 12-3, he brought a sense of hope that was not there, that was missing the last few years. He brought that back to life. He sparked that back to life. Tremendous, absolutely tremendous performance from Daniel Jones, first career start. I I like what I saw. I like I I like what I saw. Now Cleveland, on the Cleveland, from on the Cleveland. I know, I know, and I told you guys, I said before the season started, and. I consider myself to be good at what I do or whatever. I I know I have a lot to learn, but I consider myself, for my age, I consider myself to be good at what I do. And I told you guys months in advance before the season started, I repeated this to you guys a lot. I said, the Browns are going to struggle. Now, you know, your little fanboys, the little fan pa- the little Cleveland Brown fan pages and Odell Beckham fan pages and the bloggers. Those type those guys and their predictions are me are, are they they're not meaningful. They're not meaningful because they're fans. They're short for fanatic. And I know fans they're going to overreact. Fans is short for fanatic. They are fanatics about their team or their play or a Pacific player that they love. But any analyst, any commentator, any talk show, any podcast that is covering football, sports, they had to see this Cleveland Brown thing coming. My prediction about the Browns wasn't spectacular. I don't consider one. Of, I don't consider the my Browns predictions to be one of the like one of my most like hot, like I don't consider that a hot take for the like for the Browns to be an average team. I didn't cons- like what I said about the Browns and what I have said about the Browns with them being. I said the Browns are going to struggle this year. They're going to struggle early throughout the season. Yeah, look look at their look at look at their schedule. They had to play Tennessee week one. Tennessee beat teams that they're not supposed to beat. Tennessee last year beat New England, Philly, Dallas. And Tennessee been going 9-7 for the last three years. The Jets, that's not the Jets team that I thought that that was going to be on the field. They got to play the Rams. They played the Rams Sunday night football. They have to go against Sean McVay, Jared Goff. And the Rams aren't the Rams from last year. I get to that later, but they're still the Rams. The Rams, they were the best team in the NFC last year. So, what I said with my prediction about them struggling early in the season, that that wasn't a hot take. That was a that that was an easy. That was one of my probably one of my easiest predictions of this year of of you know for the football season. The Browns struggling early this season. That that was not a high take at all. That 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 wasn't a high take at all. I don't consider that to be one of my spicy takes. They have to play the Ravens at Baltimore. Like the Ravens are 
They're three and they're two and one. They look spectacular. They look phenomenal. I didn't. I what I said about the Browns was was not hard. It was not rocket science. It wasn't. It wasn't calculus, and it, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. It was. It was very easy to spot this. Freddie Kitchens was a quarterback coach last year. They they fired Greg. They 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 they, they didn't promote Greg Williams. Okay, they move on. They they bring in the quarterback coach. He was an offensive coordinator. He was an offensive. He was a quarterback coach. How you go from a quarterback coach to a offensive coordinator to a head coach? And now, as a head coach, he's calling the offensive play. So now he has to worry about what's going on offensively, and he has to do the head coaching duties. He has to commit himself to the head coaching duties. And Freddie Kitchens, I said before the season, at best, he is an average coach. But throughout the three games, his performances within the three-game span that has been played so far, he's a below-average coach. Time management is off. The, 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 the Browns have committed the most penalties and have the most penalty yards. He makes the wrong play calls at certain times. He does a draw in fourth and nine. He runs a halfback draw on fourth and nine. Who does that? <laughs> Who does that? Halfback draw, fourth and nine? Halfback draw, fourth and nine? Come on, man. They 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 traded away their second best offensive lineman. And probably their best pass pass passing lineman. Pass blocking lineman. They've traded him away. For Olivier, for Olivier Vernon, Olivier Vernon, the same Olivier Vernon, who hasn't had a double a double digit sack season since I don't know when, and don't have any sacks this year, and has a handful of tackles in the three games that he's played in. So you traded away your second best offensive lineman, mind you, offensive line is probably the 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 most, if not one of the most important units in football. Especially offensively, if your if your offense if you want your offense to be successful, offensive line is the most important part. Probably outside of the quarterback, is the most important part. Because if you don't have your line, you can't run block. If you can't run the ball, it, it, you're predictable. If you can't pass block, your quarterback gets sacked. You can't protect your quarterback. So you you traded away your second best offensive lineman. According to Pro Football Focus, you traded away the best pass-blocking lineman in football for Olivier Vernon, who hasn't had a double-digit sack season since I don't know when and have no sacks so far this year. Oh, and by the way, he only has a handful of tackles in three games. Linebacking core is suspect. And I haven't even gotten to the egos that you have at receiver. And Baker and Baker Mayfield, his ego at the quarterback position. Haven't even gotten to that. And then John Dorsey, your GM. 
So, like, with Baker, he has a lot to overcome. And this is why I don't think he should be building his brand. This is why. Because he has a lot to overcome. He has to overcome dysfunction. He has to overcome poor, average, below average coaching. Battle lines. The ego, the, you know, the ego wide receiver, diva wide receiver, Odell Beckham, who's a star, but he's a diva as well. He has to overcome all those things just to be successful in Cleveland. But he's too, he's too busy worried about his brand. That's why he shouldn't be worried about his brand. That's why he shouldn't have all these damn commercials. Cleveland, they, they predict, uh, this, this, this thing was predictable. This thing, I, to, I told you guys, this thing was going to bust. It was going to bust early in the season. They were going to look ugly early in the season. Now, I, I, all the things that I have said about the Browns are true. They're going to struggle off. They're going to struggle in the offensive line. Check mark. They've been under Baker. May, Baker Mayfield has been under the rest the entire season. Freddie Kitchens is an average at best. At, at best, an average coach, but I think he's below average. Check mark. He's been below average. Cleveland's young and undisciplined. They have the. They lead the league in most penalties and penalty yards. Check. Their linebacking core is not good. Check. And they have a tough early schedule. Check. They have to play Baltimore, San Francisco, Seattle, and New England for the next four games. For the next four weeks. Good luck, Cleveland. Good luck. <laughs> good luck. Good luck. But I told you guys. I told you guys. They get it together. I think they get that. I think they get it together. Like post November, November and on. I think they'll start to find their rhythm and groove. But next four or five weeks, good luck. Okay, so we do this every week, every single week after all the games are concluded from Sunday and Monday. We always do our top ten, Isaiah's top ten. Uh, I've been having the same teams as my top three for the last few weeks. Uh, oh, well, since the season began, uh, albeit, <laughs> I got to see some improvement for these other teams, but I love what I've been seeing. Um, so let's start from the top. At 10, I have the Saints. Uh, the, the Saints, they surprised me. They went on the road to beat Seattle. They are they're now 2-1. and one. I still don't think their offense is as explosive as it was uh, last year throughout the first 11 weeks. But they got they had they they had a special team score last week and a defensive score last week. Uh, they go back home to play Dallas. That is a tough one. Um, I, I, Dallas is probably probably give Dallas the, a slight edge. Um, but the Saints, they look very good. Uh, I, I I doubted them though. I actually doubted them because I had them losing the next two games. At Seattle and this game coming up against Dallas, uh, they did a very good job of containing Russell Wilson for for the most part, really. And like I said, they got they had some other they, the other units scored and helped Teddy Bridgewater put up some points on the board, which played a big factor. And look at the Saints. Look at who they played so far this year. Week one, they had the Texans on Monday Night Football. Week two, they had they had the Rams at at the Coliseum. And they had to play Seattle at Seattle, and they have to play Dallas. The first four weeks, 
those are all playoff teams from last year, and they look like they're going to be playoff teams coming up this year. So, I gave a lot of props, and I had I I, I lend my hat I lend my hat to the Saints because they have had a beginning they have had they have had a tough stretch like stretch in the beginning of the season, especially some tough home, some tough road games and home games. They have they have a brutal schedule the first four four weeks, but they have got through it pretty good. And the Drew Brees injury, they've done well for themselves. The Bills at nine. I had the Bills and Chargers split at 10 last week. I couldn't really make up my mind. This week, the Bills are ninth. I, I, I love what this coaching staff is all about. I love what this Buffalo Bills team is all about. They have a spectacular offensive line. I've told you guys these. I told you guys this the the last few weeks. They don't put Josh Allen coaching staff. They do not put Josh Allen in bad situations, and they and they can contain a long drive. The the, the Buffalo scoring drives are eighty yard drives, seventy yard drives. They. Are a team that has a good old line. They know the identity. They don't put their young quarterback in tough positions, and they can they can sustain a long drive. And their defense is good. And but Buffalo Buffalo's a good team. Buffalo's a good team. Buffalo looks mighty good. Good good for the Buffalo Bills. At eight, the 49ers. Um, they're three and zero, and they are forcing a lot of turnovers. But they turn the ball over a lot themselves. Uh, five turnovers. You usually don't win a get. You usually don't win a football game. Period. When you when you commit five when you when you turn the ball over five times, you don't. You're not supposed to win that game. But the 49ers, they are clicking. Their defense was stellar as well. Later down the stretch against Pittsburgh, um, Pittsburgh gave them a run for their money. But see, I, I mean. The 49ers, San Francisco, they are they are looking mighty good. They they play a little sloppy due to their youth. But Kyle Shanahan throughout the season, I think they'll grow and mature. But they are very young and they're sloppy. And I think they're gonna lose. They should have lost that game against Pittsburgh. I think they're gonna have a few more games like that. Not to the extent where they turn the ball over five times, hopefully. But I think they'll turn the ball over once or twice. And have a couple of young mistakes that you know veteran teams usually don't make that they will make, and that'll cost them a game or two down the stretch, I think. But the 49ers at eight, I love what I'm seeing. They're three and no, I, I, I like what I'm seeing at seven. The Texans, I have the Texans. Uh, offensive line is getting better, uh, with the with the with the acquisition of Larry Mutunsu at at left tackle, their sacks have decreased. From week one to week three now. They had six sacks in week one. Four sacks in week two. And only had two sacks in week three. So their offensive line is getting better. Deshaun Deshaun Watson doesn't have to run for his life every time he looks up. Um, So that's good that that, that... that the Houston that the Houston Texans have solidified that left tackle position because that is Deshaun Watson's blind side. Uh, but I love what they have. Their deep, their secondary is uh, iffy, but uh, their defense and their front line it, it did enough against the Chargers this week to get the job done. I I, I picked the Houston Texans to win this game, to win the to beat the Chargers. I was very down. 
because they I saw them trailing, but they made a surging second half comeback. Good for the Houston Texans. At six, the Rams. The Rams won. They're three and zero, but I don't see the same ele- electrifying offense that I've been witnessing the past two years. And some of that is, most of that is due to Todd Gurley. Yeah, their offensive lines get a little older, that it is. But some of their, like, their explosiveness is gone. I don't see none of that, like, I don't see none of that explosiveness from Todd Gurley. I haven't seen that game yet where, oh, when you look back and say, that is Todd Gurley from the previous two years. That is why he got paid. Um, so, the Rams, they 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 don't have no weakness really. They don't have like a liability on defense. Their secondary is pretty solid. Linebacker core is good, and their front seven is fine. Their front line is good, but they don't have a liability. But they are not the same explosive down the field threatening offense that you got from them last from the last two years. Really, you don't really see that, especially last year. But you don't really see that from, and it's mainly mostly due to Todd Gurley, and I don't think Jared Goff is there yet. I think he's really good, and I I I I, I praise and root for Jared Goff a lot. But I don't think he's I don't think he's quite there yet where he can outgun Mahomes, even though he did it last year. I don't think he's that. I don't think he's that yet. I always say Jerkoff is a better version than Matt Ryan, but I don't think he's that yet. At five, the Packers. Packers defense is phenomenal. They're going to finish and end as a top 10 defense in, 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 in football this year. At the end of the season, you'll see the Packers as a top 10 defense this year. I am very impressed with their defense, but I told you guys coming into the season, you give me a healthy Aaron Rodgers, yes, he has a new offensive system that he has to learn, and it, it, he's gonna be, it's going to be some teaching in there, yes, but I get a healthy Aaron Rodgers who's, mo- who's now mobile, he can make plays with his arm. He's still Aaron Rodgers. And I have Aaron Jones behind him with a talented defense. This Packer team is going to win the NFC North, even though the NFC North looks really good right now with the Vikings being 2-1, two and, two and one, the Chicago Bears being 2-1, and, one, and the Detroit Lions 2-0, 2-0-1. Oh, so the Packers, they look very good in a strong division. I love what I'm seeing from them. And plus their offense is progressing week by week. And you gotta remember, you know, the offense looked choppy, but they plan against they're playing against some of the best defenses in the league. They had to play against Chicago week one, they had to play against Minnesota week two, and they had to play Denver this week. Denver defense, their team is not that good, but Denver's defense is very good and solid. And it can it throws a lot of offenses off in this league. So the Packers at five. I'm impressed with them. The Ravens at four. I thought about even though despite them losing to Kansas City, I mean who doesn't lose to Kansas City these days and Patrick Mahomes? Who I mean, who doesn't lose? But I was thinking about legitimately put them, putting them at three just because of how impressive they look. Uh, Lamar Jackson, he, he, he's a baller. And I, I'm going to say he's a franchise guy. He's a franchise quarterback. Lamar Jackson's a franchise quarterback. Yeah, he has a long way to go in his, like, in his mechanics, but he throws the ball down the field. He throws a nice deep ball. Doesn't turn the ball over. You would think with all the plays and extra yardage that he's trying to gain with his legs and stuff, and, and you know with his with with his improv, you would think that he would be more 
potent to throw turnovers or commit turnovers? He doesn't really, though. Haven't he hasn't thrown an interception since last year of week 13. So he, 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 he takes care of the ball really well. They run the football really well. And the Ravens know who they are. They know who they are. Their, their, their identity can sometimes be a little bit predictable. But they know who they are offensively. And they know who they are defensively. Uh, the Ravens, they lead the league in time possession. And that is the way that at least the Ravens have the formula to beating great quarterbacks. Do you, time possession is the best way to beat a good, uh, to beat a good quarterback. And I, when, when I mean good, I mean like Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers good. You, you eat that clock up. You eat the clock up. And, and the Ravens do it, and the Cowboys do it. Lee, talking about the Cowboys, they are, number, they are number three in this. This week, Power Ravens, they're number three. Yeah, I know people don't like to say it, uh, but I, I explained this very well in last week's episode, or, or, or episode where I, I talked about Dak. Dak, he's good. Give, get, get, give, give him his props. He's good. Dak, give him his props. He has to, he's the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. He has his running back, his star running back, partner in crime, has committed a lot of crimes and have some judicial issues. Jerry Jones, the most talkative, loud owner in sports, period. Give this guy a lot of credit. And the Cowboys, they have, like I said, they have a lot of elite players. Elite young players. Like, all the elite players are young. Jalen Smith is young. Vanderish is young. Zeke is young. Demarcus Lawrence is relatively young. Byron Jones is young. Amari Cooper is young. You have a lot of young elite players. Cowboys are number three. At number two, the Chiefs is easy. The Chiefs are ex- they, they are like the Chiefs and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are like Steph Curry and the Warriors and Steve Kerr of the NFL. They are slowly changing the game. The Chiefs everywhere else in their in, in around their team, if you look at their team, if you take away Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, they are an average team. They are an average team. They have some nice weapons here and there offensively, but they are an average team. And they have Chris Ford on the D-line, but they are an average team. <laughs> you, put, you add Mahomes and Andy Reid, you add those two elements, <laughs> that is a 12-4, and 13-3 team because they are explosive offensively and nobody in the league can stop them. Mahomes is probably the best quarterback in football, and good luck stopping the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, week w- and then number one, my number one team for the fourth straight week. Uh, this is easy. The Patriots. The Patriots are dominating everybody. Their defense is athletic. I don't know how many times I'm gonna keep telling you guys this. Their defense. This is the best defense that the Patriots has had, probably since the Teddy Bruschi defenses. Their defense looks good. Uh, they they do have a couple lingering ish, injuries on their O line, an injury to their fullback. They have some injuries in some key spots, but I think they're gonna be so good that they'll be able to overcome, overcome some injuries. Um, I do. They, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they if you know if they come out one week and not look good or a team like are on their heels and they lose one week. But the Patriots are still my number one team. Um, yeah, that caps off my top ten. My top ten have my top three within my top ten has remained 
Patriots, Chiefs, Cowboys for since the start of the season. They those three teams have been playing phenomenal football, and they look they look right right now. They look head and shoulders above everybody else in the football in the in the National Football League. So we're gonna transition to my top ten to my where Isaiah was right or wrong. Uh, I was right about Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has a lot of he has a lot of talent around him offensively in New York. Uh, this is my right or wrong segment. I, I'm going to I'm going to list whether I was right or wrong about certain topics that I may have discussed in the past few weeks. So Daniel Jones, Daniel, I was right about Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, and all of the and all of the hype that he has came with. I I I like him. I I I told you guys that he 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 had a good offensive line. Then you add the fact that he had Saquon Barkley behind him, along with Evan Ingram. Why not throw him in the fire? Why not? This is this is the time. This is the time. Where I was wrong, <laughs> Daniel Jones. I I in the preseason I doubted Daniel Jones. I wasn't very high on Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. I was like, uh, who is he? I don't know. We just got to see. So, I was right about Daniel Jones. I was wrong about Daniel Jones as well. So, <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is funny. I, I find that quite funny. Um, where I was right. Where I, where I was right. Philly. I don't know. I, got, I might got to calm down on this Philly bandwagon. This Philly. Philly don't look the same. Carson Wentz don't look the same. Um. Sometimes he tries to force it. I, I don't. Carson Wentz is. Uh, Carson Wentz is. Uh, uh, Carson Wentz. Uh, he's he, he's looking. He looked like a shell of himself. Um. He he he's he hasn't won a lot of games. Dak has won more games. He's one and three against Dak. I gotta see more from Carson Wentz in Philly. They're having a lot of health concerns right now. Their receivers that can beat you over the top are out. So. You know, I'm not giving them a pass, but I am. I got to slow down on Philly. Uh, where I was wrong, Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. I, I thought this was Michigan and Jim Harbaugh year to get over the top. Um, They lost to Wisconsin. They were trailing Wisconsin at halftime by 28, 28-0. Um, I'm very disappointed in Michigan and, and, and Jim Harbaugh. They don't have an identity. I was totally wrong about them. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I, I don't even know what to say. I was shocked when I saw they were down twenty-eight zero. Yes, this is a good Wisconsin team, but I thought with this year, with Urban Mike being out of the way, out of clear view, I knew Ohio State was still going to be good. But I thought this was this. I thought this was the year for Michigan to get over the hump and finally win the Big Ten, beat Ohio State, and they still have a chance to beat Ohio State. But how they're looking right now, I don't think they're gonna beat Ohio State. So I was wrong about Michigan. I was wrong about Michigan and Michigan football and Jim Harbaugh. I was wrong. You lose some, you win some. The Chargers. I was wrong about the Chargers as well. The Chargers, they look they look a mess. They look a mess. The Chargers look a mess. They can't close games. They close. They can't finish games. The secondary looks weak. The Chargers just look a mess, and they've been looking a mess these last two weeks. Ugh. 
Well, I was right. The Browns. <laughs> Freddie Kitchens. I, I, I told you guys. This thing is gonna. This thing is gonna explode in Cleveland. The first few weeks, I told you that they they they're gonna struggle. They are gonna struggle, and they have a lot of prime time games coming up against a lot of playoff caliber teams, and they are gonna struggle. And I said that. I kept saying that, and you guys didn't listen. I kept saying it on and on and on. You guys didn't listen. Where well, I was right. The Redskins are allergic to prosperity. They are allergic to prosperity. The Redskins now have lost 17 of the last 18 home Monday night football games. That be, I don't know. I don't know what it is with FedEx Field. or that. Or, I don't know what it is with FedEx Field. But the Redskins have not had success on Monday night football since they have moved there. And they haven't had success on Monday night football, period, home or away. The Redskins are just awful, and Jay Gruden's, Jay Gruden's future there is looking really dim. It's, it's not looking too bright. It's looking dim. It's looking dim. Uh, Kirk Cousins, Minnesota Vikings, they continue to prove me wrong. Uh, I had them winning this week, but I, I'm just not a, big, I'm not a big fan of Kirk Cousins in that Vikings team. And it's more Kirk Cousins because I like the Vikings roster. But he just doesn't excite me. He just doesn't excite me, and that has been leading to my demise of the Vikings. Him, Kirk Cousins. So, thank you guys for listening. Um, thank you guys for tuning in and clicking. You guys are doing a good job with that. I don't know how many times I'm going to keep saying that at the end of every podcast, at the, at the end of every episode, but you guys are doing a good job at it. So, I thank you guys for clicking. Because that gives me more more motivation to do more podcasts as an episode. But even if you guys wasn't clicking, I was still pod. But thank you guys for <laughs> thank you guys for clicking and continue to click on this podcast. Um, we're doing a good job. Once again, keep me in all your prayers. You're certainly in mine. And thank you for listening. Have a great week.